morning or afternoon or evening as you all know it doesn't matter time is irrelevant welcome to the 6th episode of you can check out any time you like but you can never leave today we'll be discussing love no i'm not even kidding this time we are really going to be talking about romance so hang on to your beds this should get interesting ah uh, draupadi and her five husbands polyamory goals am i right it reminds me of a professor of mine who once confessed to wishing she had her own harem draupadi gets to live out every indian woman's dream all the fun and none well some of the drama but before we can talk about the drama let's listen to her story titled the common wife could i won at the tournament mother said arjun without turning around kunti said whatever it is share it equally with your brothers but it's a woman said arjun kunti turned around and found the beautiful draupadi next to arjun she also noticed that all her sons were attracted to her fearing that a woman would disrupt the unity of her sons she said what i have said must be done if you are truly my sons provided dharma allows it Dharma did allow it. Yudhishthira narrated the story of Vidula, who according to the ancient chronicles had married the 10 Prachetas brothers. With this reference, there was nothing to stop Draupadi from becoming the common wife of the Pandavas. In her past life, Draupadi had invoked Shiva and asked for a husband who was honest, a husband who was strong, a husband who was skilled, a husband who was handsome, and a husband who was knowledgeable. Shiva had said You will get all five men that you want for no single man except God can have all these qualities. In another past life, Draupadi was Nalayani, the wife of a rishi called Modgalya. He had a terrible disease that made him cough and spit all day and covered his skin with scales and rashes. Still, Nalayani served him as a devoted wife. Pleased with her unstinting service, the sage offered her a boon. Nalayani requested that he use his ascetic powers to indulge all her sexual desires. Accordingly, Modgalya took the form of many different men, some human, some divine, all handsome, and made love to her in many different ways. After indulging in sexual pleasures for many years, Modgalya decided it was time to renounce the world. But Nalayani was not satisfied. "Who will make love to me after you're gone?" she asked. Disgusted by her insatiable lust, the rishi cursed her that in her next life she would be the wife of many men. In their previous lives, all the Pandavas had served as indras and single-handedly protected their queen Sachi and their celestial city of Amravati. But in their current life, they would, even collectively, be unable to protect their queen or their kingdom, for this was the twi- twilight of the Dwapar Yug, the third quarter of the world's lifespan. Switching gears from one celebrity wedding to another, the entire nation was fascinated by the Ranveer Singh and Deepika Padukone, better known as Deepweer, wedding in November 2018. It felt as if the world owed us this one, this one wedding with a smiling Malu Dulhan and a laughing Punjabi Dulha. Finally, we thought these two beautiful people are getting what they deserve, 
and somehow this made us ecstatic beyond belief. Even I, who didn't care much for these two before their wedding was announced, was somehow drawn into the BuzzFeed and iDiva articles, waiting for more pictures and squealing when the occasional video made its way to the internet. On a more personal note, I recently attended the wedding of one of my best friend's older sisters, and being there, I could see myself making a case for love, and even for the extravagant festivities that are an Indian wedding. The atmosphere of pure joy and bliss made it seem like love was the only thing that connected us to each other and that we'd all somehow be okay as long as there was love. I may or may not have cried when speeches were made. I also may or may not have been drunk at the time. Marriage as an ideal is the world's most long-standing, most bizarre fantasy. We ship characters on screen, in books, people we barely know in public, parks or malls, and even our friends and selves. Shipping, for those not familiar with the term, is when you want two characters slash people to be romantically involved, even and sometimes because the plot suggests no possible romantic involvement between the two. Romance, or the idea of romance, is something that most people can relate to, except those who identify as aromantic, perhaps. Although, through some quick internet searches, I've come to wonder whether aromantic people are able to identify and understand romance better than non-aromantics, mainly because of the way aromantics ship characters. They ship characters who they actually have a strong, who they think actually have a strong connection, whether this is vis-a-vis a friendship or a romance. This is unlike what I spoke about earlier when I was talking about shipping, where characters are paired off for arbitrary reasons. Returning to romance in itself, it is also something we turn to when things are particularly bad. People stuck in quarantine due to the pandemic are turning more and more to books, TV shows and movies that have some elements of romance in them. Romantic genre, light, light, light watch, happy endings, make me feel nice and happy in these depressing times, says a survey respondent from Ashoka when asked what they prefer watching or reading. Other responses include, Bollywood masala movies make you feel better, and I want to combat some of the stir craziness I'm feeling from social distancing by reading something in which the protagonists are dumb and in love. Bollywood is not a direct reference to romance, but most masala movies have elements of very escapist romantic fantasies. All of these people are looking for the same thing, a way to escape the world around them through romance. People are looking for romance even in real life around us. Recently, a story went viral of a New York couple who met and began dating during the COVID crisis. A man had seen a woman dancing on her roof and sent a drone over to her with his phone number. After that, the two began dating, even going on a social distancing date with the man quarantining himself in a giant orb to be physically close to the woman. The story was considered by many to be completely heartwarming. People looked at the romance as a sign of hope in increasingly desperate times and referred to it when discussing how things like love and hope are bigger than all of us. In this episode, I'll be discussing how romance, and specifically marriage, is one of the biggest forms of escapism that we, as human beings, indulge in. To begin with, let's look at Draupadi's marriage and relationship to the Pandavas. She was conceived and born solely to marry into the Kuru clan and cause infighting amongst the group as a way for her father, Draupad, to take revenge on them. It's clear that her marriage came with a very steady and nefarious agenda. Even if she wasn't actively angling the internal destruction of the Kuru clan, she was still a part of this larger, grand scheme. Yet, the story of her marriage to the five brothers talks about how it was to fulfill some desires of her past self, or conversely, because of curses heaped onto her past avatar. 
either way by providing this back story it allows the marriage to take on tones that aren't as nefarious as the original intention intentionality of it moreover draupadi and the pandavas are attributed to romantically desiring each other and after their marriage many of the stories of the of the mahabharat discuss the lengths the pandavas will go to to please or rescue their wife her story which is really one of greed or revenge is papered over and treated as an epic love story fit to be retold for generations and with no conceivable flaws even being married to five brothers isn't perceived as a flaw but rather a boon she has the good qualities of each of the brothers and she can choose to not deal with any of the bad although there is also a sense of the curse about it as she was cursed to marry many men this is the only instance of marriage being used as a curse in the epic perhaps it is signaling something larger a need to rework and understand the limits of marriage as something evil rather than good even so it's interesting that draupadi is still held up as a model of indian society even though current hinduism shuns the idea of remarriage let alone being married to five people at once hindus look down at muslims who according to their laws are allowed to have multiple wives while draupadi is an epic heroine a muslim woman in the same situation would be deemed a whore somehow the audience of the tale managed to create a love story out of something that began as violent and perhaps even unnatural draupadi was born from a fire rather than a human womb much like sita from the ramayan she is a child of the elements rather than any human being even kunti who subjected draupadi to being married to five men when she herself said that she had been with four men and refused to call another god as she would risk being considered a whore under the rules of dharma this is referring to pandu asking her to invoke another god after the birth of arjun her third child pandu thinks she is referring to the three pandavas fathers and himself but she is actually referring to the father of karan her first illicitly born child kunti lived outside the rules of society having a child when unwed would have brought great shame and dishonor upon her family so she discards the child her marriage then seen as an act of love or at least choice since she chooses pandu in a swayamvar is actually her get out of jail free card kunti aspires to be a powerful woman and her way of doing this is through powerful legally born sons her marriage to pandu is a way to have sex indiscreetly perhaps for her own pleasure and to also bear sons fit to be kings as an added bonus although her status as an unmarried mother is unknown to others she knows she lives on the borders of society her marriage is a way for her to be part of the larger fold of society and be part of something larger than herself marriage is meant to end her current existence and help her start a life anew somehow being tied to an impotent useless king was better than her previous state marriage represents an aspirational state of togetherness for her which is why she insists on all her sons marrying the same woman to prevent infighting but also to strengthen an existing bond between the men this something larger than herself is somehow more sinister than the way many of us view love the conventional view of love and romance is more about a feeling of community or belonging than the sense of control that kunti clearly exhibits that leads me to believe that there are two ways of viewing love as escapism one the classic way in which it's used to forget about one's problems and focus on something quote unquote good and the second way somewhat more nefariously is the one where love romance and marriage are used as a veil to hide something far more dangerous romance is a seeming seemingly simple plot point it shows up everywhere why is it that it's so easy to see love in such absurd situations 
This is common even in fantasy literature where the plot is ostensibly about something that doesn't concern romance at all. Romance always gets shoehorned in. Aragorn and Arwen or Eowyn and Faramir from the Lord of the Rings trilogy come to mind. Even Sam and Rosie from the same series, the last couple especially, was completely unnecessary. Many viewers loved John and Danny from GOT, while others absolutely despised the fact that they were romantically interlinked. Even Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo and Rey from Star Wars have had a strange love-hate relationship that has audience members very heated up, no matter which side they support. Is romance perhaps our way of connecting to a world that seems so removed from our own? Coming back to the pandemic, it is being spoken of with the same words used to describe wars, so the same conventions seem to apply to it. And romance fits in, not because it's appropriate, but because of how inappropriate it is to think about romance during war times. But thousands of novels have been written about clandestine wartime lovers, and somehow the pandemic is yielding similar results. Even the fantasy romance pairings earlier all have one thing in common. that they were living in war zones romance in that sense at least in some of the above instances seem to signal the end of a war romance means everyone is safe and everything bad has been dealt with arwen and aragorn were in love for years before the events of the trilogy but did nothing about it there was a sense that something had to be dealt with before they could actually tie the knot so them getting married is a way of signaling the end of the problems of all the characters in the book The scene in the epilogue of Harry Potter also suggests the same thing. Harry and Ginny are happily married in almost disgusting domestic bliss. It is the same with Ron and Hermione. The scene of happiness is juxtaposed to Harry noticing his scar does not twinge any longer. The war is over because the marriages have signaled the end. Additionally, the marriage allows them to enter the space of the conventional. Much like Kunti, Ginny, who was a firebrand rebel and top-notch Quidditch player, is now a happy domestic mother they have entered the space of the conventional and are no longer subject to any form of outside censure they have escaped their problems in a sense anakin and padme skywalker from the star wars universe are a not- notable exception to the trope their problems start when they get married rather than end anakin was dealing with his own personal demons and seemed to believe getting married would put an end to them But what he didn't realize was that a marriage signals the end of problems. It is not the end in itself. Essentially, all the other characters were sure their problems were over before they got married. But Anakin hoped the marriage was the solution to his problems. Unfortunately, he was wrong. The marriage led to him going on a murderous spree, thinking he was protecting her, killing her in some perverse moment of love, and abandoning their two children to turn completely to the dark side. Clearly marriage is not the solution but the symptom of a solution. It's important to note that an audience's desire for romance comes with a certain sense of restrictions. Specifically we desire sexless romance and do not care for what happens after the happily ever after. Cinderella 3, 2 was more an anthology series. Lion King 2, The Little Mermaid 2, sequels of fan favorite movies are not treated with the same reverence as the original. There is a sense of peeking into someone's life as being somewhat somewhat dirty as though we are looking behind a curtain that we are not meant to peer beyond additionally romance and a wedding are meant to close a chapter as mentioned earlier so these sequels open the po- open up the possibilities of more of anxieties and sources of strife being introduced into into a story which was written off as being closed all the movies feature a new villain usually related to the previous one 
and a new source of problems for the main characters. It is better to imagine them as living happily ever after than to think about the kind of problems that await them after marriage. After all, even a villain is less scary than a failed marriage. More scarily though, the sequel features the possibility of more. The mere existence of the sequel itself signals trouble because why would they make a sequel if the original was so perfect? The sequel then signals fissures in the previous, something which you assumed was tied up at its significant end point is in fact far from over. The romance that the Janta desires is a form of community romance, big weddings and extravagant displays of affection that will make everyone happy rather than just the two involved in the wedding. Romance is desired more for the gratification of outsiders than for the gratification of the people actually involved in the romance. Sex is not discussed, it's something avoidable when considering romance. Ideally, for outsiders invested in romance, specifically in Indian societies, sex is not a part of it. Sex is a private act while weddings and the romance itself are public, open for consumption by anyone who wants to stop by. There is a sense then of weddings being desired more than the marriage itself. Weddings are a foot are a full stop, while sex and the multiple multitude of possibilities it contains is an ellipsis. The potential for more always perversely presents itself. Romance, the idea of one happy ending, one way of things solving themselves, points to the most significant part of singularities, the end point. Perhaps it's significant that the signaling of the end also signals the actual end since this is the this is the last episode. I know sad. But returning to romance, romance is a way of entering the conventional, of signaling the correct way of living, of loving. The romances that are favored by society are often cisgendered heterosexual couples in monogamous relationships. A marriage, a tying up of loose ends and a singular life partner all help to end an audience's anxieties about the future. Singularity shines through in the way it not only signals an end but expects one for a positive outcome. There is no happy storyline if it does not end with this idea of a romance. Romance is meant to signal the only way to achieve happiness. Romance implies that there is a way to even achieve this ultimate happiness in the first place. It does not allow the question what if. What if there is no happy ending? Romance plunges into the moment and doesn't allow the viewers to look back. The last shot of the graduate where they look doubtfully at each other is not something anybody desires. We need to know our characters will be happy in some form of marital bliss. After all, if your favorite character gets a romantic happily ever after, they'll be happy in general, right? Thank you to my three loyal viewers, listeners, for listening to what was basically a tirade against romance. What can I say? I'm a big sap at heart. So this was technically the last episode, but since I didn't want to club in the conclusion here, there is a bonus. So picture abhi baki hai mere dost. 